Uh, hello there, listeners. I was just perusing my leather-bound collection of rare books in the study. After a short deliberation, I decided to flip through a few pages of my first edition of Fifty Shades Darker, signed by the author in grey crayon. But that's when I realized I had a podcast to record. And I'm sitting in my study looking around. I just realized this place suits me perfectly. Let me tell you, there's a wood-burning fireplace. Corinthian leather on every seat cushion uh, on my desk that was constructed from mahogany flown in from Belize a scented candle burns brightly what a simply marvelous odor that hangs in the ether such a captivating fusion of sandalwood frankincense persimmon and eucalyptus Mm, the comfort the coziness simply divine but enough talk about the study this content to be recorded. Welcome, listeners, to episode one of From Where I Sit. I am your host, Christopher, 1K2Fs, the former valedictorian who's 116th Irish with a weird heat sensitivity. I'm very proud of it. Um, On this episode of the podcast... I talk about the retail industry. I'll be giving you, the listener, a peek behind the fitting room curtain and do what I can to give you the POV of the everyday retail worker. Here's the breakdown. Firstly, I'll give you a snapshot of my history in retail and how the industry shaped and developed key pieces of me. Then I'll fill you in on the three most important statements that shape the customer retail worker dichotomy and how to navigate them in your future travels. Thirdly, I'll give some insight on the levels of stress employees who work in retail are constantly under and why it might be best to have a little compassion for those kids in khakis. And finally, I'll answer the two most important questions of retail. One, is the customer always right? And two, Are retail workers valuable resources or just cogs in the machine? Let's see if we can all get on the same side of the receipt. Um, Just a little note before I begin. Um, Don't actually peek behind fitting room curtains unless you know the person in the room you'll avoid a whole lot of trouble that way. I mean, the high-pitched shrieks of terror and embarrassment, the handcuffs, the uncomfortable back seat, the criminal and the civil charges, the lawyer fees, the smear campaign you and your lawyer have to cook up to beat the case, the favors you now owe to the attorney general because you helped his son out of a bind. It's a whole thing. Do yourself a favor, save yourself the trouble. Now back to the episode. 
Many moons ago, your illustrious host was in the name tag and dress shoe game. Uh, I gave blood, sweat, and curse words, under my breath of course, to the profit margins of a couple of corporations in my day, and got out before my soul was compromised. There were long hours on my feet at both jobs. Uh, shout out to insoles, they're not just for old people. Uh, cranky customers who gave me a hard time over the mildest perceived slight. Consistent trips to stock rooms, lugging merch up and down flights of stairs, uh, waiting for freight elevators that would take forever, and plenty of pressure from superiors to walk a tightrope as wide as dental floss. It was a process. But I've also been on the other side of the cash register. I've got plenty of experience as a customer. I've been one all of my life. But my life is good. Really good. It's the best. I love it. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, I've been pestered to open up a line of credit I have no interest in. I've been deceived on the location of plenty of items by employees who had no idea where anything in the store was. And I've dealt with some of the worst customer service this side of the soup Nazi. You think you can get soup? Please, you're wasting everyone's time. <sighs> what a shame. Uh, I've held two official titles during my five or so years on the selling floor. My first stop was as a sales specialist at a place near what was once World Trade and is now known as the Oracle. As a sales specialist, I was stationed in the men's shirt department, slinging dress shirts of various collars, sleeve lengths, and blends of cotton to the masses, slapping measuring tape around the necks of those who didn't know their size, and blessing them with my limited knowledge of fabrics, patterns, and fit. I wore an ill-fitting, astroturf green blazer that lacked any kind of style, but customers ran up on me like I was the manager quite often, so I was kind of torn on its effects. So many dynamics were in play with my coworkers. Uh, some took advantage of my willingness to be of service when I was a little pupperoo, but I found ways to balance the ledger whenever possible. My second stop was at sales support at another place on 59th and Lexington. Shout out to Melvin for helping me get my loafers in the door. My sharp wit and me referring to the brand as a blend of subtle and sophisticated during my group interview got me in the building though. As sales support, I didn't have that trendy blazer anymore, but I wore a few more hats, not literal hats, and covered a few more departments, a jack of all trades if you will. After a short time, I picked up on the way clothes should fit the human body so I could offer up top tier advice to those who asked, whether it be sizing questions, choice of color, was it too casual or too dressy, etc., etc. I ended up looking at the pelvises of more women than most people would believe, but I had to put myself out there, you guys. You just don't understand the sacrifice. I did it for everyone. I did what needed to be done for the sake of fashion. Believe me. I have to say, though, I've been luckier than most in my stops in retail, and not just because of pelvis duty. Working in those stores exposed me to people of all walks of life, tax brackets, and cultures that I may have never encountered on my own had I been cooped up in an office or tucked away in a stockroom eight hours a day. 
I got pointers on how to shop and over time learned what a good deal was. You should get a good deal. I failed to recognize the correlation between losing 10 grand, hospitalizing gorgeous, and a good deal. I know, Jason. Uh, I've learned to make my own choices regarding my wardrobe, shopping and dressing oneself without relying on the impressions of others for the first time was so empowering. I developed a sense of style and a basic appreciation of fashion that allows me to evaluate clothing on a different level now. I mean, those flat front Dawson pants, the merino wool sweaters with the deep V, and those dress shirts with the bit of stretch in them. Whew, pristine. I also worked with some really cool people who gave me some really sharp life advice, directly and indirectly. One manager taught me about the importance of classic black and white movies, starting with Casablanca. Hashtag foreshadowing. Another manager indirectly showed me the effect toxic personal relationships outside of work had on their job and their well-being. Uh, another manager was oddly interested in me making quote-unquote beautiful mixed-race babies with some of my co-workers. Let's just say he was focused on me moving a different kind of merchandise. Um, one of the tougher lessons, though, however, is you get taught how expendable people are when transitions are made. When the call comes down from up on high, people catch that pink slip, whether they deserve it or not. I also made a few close friends and many more acquaintances that I keep in contact with to this day. Even the ones I don't talk to that much or keep in contact with like that, I still think of fondly. And the interactions, interactions we had were good ones. There were some real good conversations on the daily. The camaraderie of lunches together, riding to and from work together, pop culture discussions, banding together over a common cause or a common enemy. Ah, the memories. Laysai. Uh, but what I'm most grateful for during my time in retail is those interactions with all of those customers and my coworkers that helped me come out of my shell. Uh, talking with human beings face to face every day gave me a personal confidence that has been sustained to this day. I mean, it wavers from time to time, but it's been there consistently and hasn't atrophied in the slightest. There's no monetary value I can place on experience, and those daily reps communicating were very, very important. Before I begin the part about the customer-worker dichotomy, uh, I have a little PSA to those customers that want to come buzzing into the store. Right when the shutters go up, the doors unlock and the clock strikes exactly 9 a.m. Y'all need to lower the temperature on your propulsion engines, a.k.a. cool those jets. It's really not that serious. Uh, Thanos is not snapping his fingers two minutes after the doors open. Uh, it's not like supermarket sweep or double dare where you've got a time limit. And you've got to run around scooping up tank tops and banana bread before a buzzer goes off. Uh, there's no sorcerer's apprentice type of thing where a mouse gets into a spell book, wiggles his fingers, and makes all the control top waistline pants. And the merino wool sweaters get up and walk away. The merchandise will be there. Chill.
Stay calm. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, calm down. These workers know you've got places to go and things to do, but barreling into a store right when it opens with complaints, requests for the manager, or thirty thousand things that need to be returned is not the wave. Just letting you know. Okay. Okay. Now that we're clear. Let's move on to the dichotomy. Now we get to the three statements every customer deals with. Uh, the first one is, would you like to save 10%, 15%, or 20% on your purchase today? Uh, that actually means I'm coming at you heavy with a credit card spiel. I'm going to press you on opening one up with our store, regardless of credit score or whether you even want one. Does not matter. So basically, that's all store programming. Part of the directive from those up on high. Managers and supervisors have beaten these cashiers and kids on the floor over the head to push that card onto you. And it's something you're going to have to endure. It's a hassle, yes, for those who are looking to get in and out of these stores without them trying to extract more provolone from your pockets. But they're going to press that edge as hard as they can press it. That's just part of the game, unfortunately. Um, I've given this spiel a few times in my day, but I've never really pressed the issue like that. I mean, uh, it might be a reason why I'm not still doing retail right now, but I mean, that's just me. Um, I always read the customer and took a shot if they seemed receptive to more than just a basic greeting. I mean, if they kept the convo short and sweet, I let them get their items and get up out of there. I wasn't pressing them to spend any extra time with me. You know what I mean? I just let them go. Uh, the second statement. Uh, is hello ma'am or hello sir can I help you find your size um, this is code for please let me find the thing you're looking for so you don't rip up the section that I'm responsible for it'll be much easier for the both of us so in retail uh, people are responsible for a particular zone area or table in a store and when someone gets that when someone asks that question to you in that area uh, that's the sign that that is their zone and they're protective of that zone because they've been tasked to take care of it by their manager and then those people who work in it have a blend of fear and power uh, they're scared that it gets, it'll get ripped up but they also feel protective of it because it's theirs for the day uh, think of it in Game of Thrones jargon uh, their section is the Red Keep and they're all playing Cersei um, some of the customers, though, uh, they take the question as a slap in the face. Like, do I need to find my size? Hmm. I know I'm a medium. I can read. I'm not stupid. Uh, some customers see it more as a challenge, though, where it's like, oh, you want to help me find my size, do you? I mean, I don't need this person's help. I'll be in and out in no time. Won't mess up a thing. Next thing you know, you got a pile of sweaters ended up topple over like a Jenga tower. Uh, that person is asking you to find your size because they have to keep that area neat for us as customers and it's easier on the psyche of the worker to retrieve the item for you because they know the sizes of each rack or table full of clothes not every shopper who goes through a rack of clothes will take the time to fix the rack how they found it I've seen people at tables of shelves of merchandise and they have zero clue of what they're doing uh, shirts sweaters pants all go flying like jazz out of Uncle Phil's house uh, 
it's a hot mess. Um, word to the wise, if you run up on the jeans wall of a denim expert without a plan, you're liable to draw back a stump. Uh, me personally, I also get triggered when I see uh, people run up on a table with no clue where anything is and they just start digging and rifling and tossing. Uh, it, j- it just hurts my heart. And if I come into a section that's already been picked through by the seagulls and the vultures, I feel like shedding a tear. Um, I know how much work is on the horizon for that poor guy or girl who has to come fix it. Uh, so do yourself a favor, and when you hear the workers plea or them off of offering to find your size, just tell them. Uh, it'll save you uh, tons of time and save them potential heartbreak. The third statement um, is, all we have on the floor is all we have in the store. That's usually code for, I'm not looking for the thing that you asked me about, and you're just going to have to take my word for it, chief, basically. Um, Follow-up questions will most likely be met in the negative, uh, and that can feel like a punch in the gut. But be on your toes. Pay attention to the body language of the person giving you the line. If they look around the aisle all lost or don't sound all that confident when delivering the line, hit them with the counter. Um, you want to know the counter is? Here's the counter. Could you uh, check in the stock room to see if there's anything left? Now you've called their bluff. And we enter a little tight window here with a lot of potential outcomes, uh, similar to a Wild West duel without the 10 paces, the spurs, the horse, and the bullets. If the person calls down to the stockroom and or makes the effort to go to the stockroom in person and returns with the message that they just gave you, of them, you know, what's on the floor is all they have, give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a chance that they didn't go or they made a bogus call down, but they did expend enough energy with their fake work to provide you a fake answer. Take that as a net positive, even if you didn't get that cashmere sweater you had your eye on. Um, that deception took effort and you have to commend them for that. You just have to. Uh, If the floor person says the above statement of, you know, all we have on all we have on the floor is all we have in the store and follows it up with, I just checked for a customer a little while ago or I stocked this section today and we're all out of the size at the moment. You give that employee a hearty wave, a wistful look, a nod and take your leave. They've already done the legwork and the item just isn't there. Just a note, if you're in a larger store, like a Target or a Walmart, the stock rooms are massive and aren't set up really for someone to just scoop up the one thing you're looking for so they can bring it up to you. If you're lucky enough to get something brought up to you in one of these big places, fall to your knees in thanks and hug the legs of those that helped you out. It might seem like a bit much at first, but it'll go a long way towards warming up their cold hearts over time just saying and on a side note a little extra bit of info here uh just a little note for you guys during christmas time um if you're shopping during the holidays please understand that your chances of receiving even adequate customer service 
decreases sharply. I would say as much as about 75%. Uh, your Graham Graham might have a better chance of winning a publisher's clearinghouse jackpot before you get good service. Um, I mean, not to say that there are some who get hired during the holidays who do put forth the effort. Kudos to them for their efforts during a stressful season. You know, respect. Uh, but some of the people in stores uh, during holiday time are there for the check. And they'll be damned if they put in the real work to get that money. Uh, there's a strong chance you're going to be met with a blank stare. Uh, a blatant lie or two concerning the whereabouts of your product. Um, or a serving of undercooked customer service. Uh, sometimes you're just lucky enough to get the full combo plate. Uh, no egg roll, no soda though. Um, if these people can put you on the right floor, I mean, count that as a victory and just move on. Uh, these people are ghosts. I mean, if Magic Johnson can ghost the Lakers, imagine what these holiday hires can do to a Walmart, a Target, or a Macy's. Uh, they'll be gone in the blink of an eye. The very definition of expendable. So temper those holiday expectations by making requests as simple as possible. I mean, you're already behind schedule trying to buy your Aunt Margaret those sheets with the flimsy thread count you saw on sale anyway. Expecting someone to guide you by the hand to a popular item isn't the best way to play it three days before Christmas. I'm just saying. Yes, it's true that retail positions have less requirements to get hired than most jobs out there. Filling out an application and having zero work history won't net you a spot as a nuclear physicist or marine biologist, but it can get you behind a register or in front of a fitting room. But as customers, we have to understand that those who work in retail are onboarded so quickly it's a wonder that they even know their own names when we run up on them asking them what aisle the Nutella's in or what floor the housewares are on. Onboarding is swift for a reason, uh, to get those new recruits on the front line ready to refill those clothing racks, put shoes on those shelves, and move that product to the people ASAP. They gotta teach as much as they can as fast as they can. Think about the training you got for your job and the steps you might have taken. You might have gotten a routine laid out for you, step by step, from your supervisor. Um, if I'm sure it moved at a quick pace, but if you had questions, chances are they got answered clearly and succinctly without you feeling rushed. Retail associates aren't afforded that luxury. Um, and also, managers don't have it any easier. They have to be the point person between these new recruits who are lost in the sauce and the customers who come with problems of their own. Imagine the stress levels there, having your attention torn between helping those lower on the ladder be functional in the workplace while dealing with the requests of probably a hundred people a day that want directions, refunds, rain checks, or for you to help them find their lost child. Toss in the random merchandiser who has to talk to them in person and they're being pulled in too many directions on a daily basis. Considering how much flexibility these workers have to have on the selling floor, more time getting them ready would be hella beneficial. It would give these people an opportunity to improve on what they're weak at and would leave less volatility on the selling floor, in my opinion. Um, then once you get past those two things, you've got 
corporate sending down their changes and edits to the store setup. They have directives that they want activated immediately, which may not be ad easily adopted by the store due to space, stock, and or roster limitations. And the managers just have to figure that out somehow. And those stresses are felt throughout the store. I mean, seasonal transitions are one thing because those are constant. You know, Christmas is Christmas, Halloween's Halloween, Easter's Easter. But random switches on a week's notice or sometimes a day's notice where store floors get shaken up like protein mix are a big issue. Like people have to flip their sleep schedules around and work overnights to set up a plan. Then the people who come in during the daily shifts uh, the following day or following days have to get accustomed to the new floor plan and the new installations on the fly, which is really tough. Uh, the manager can only do so much to soften the blow. Uh, of the stress on their team with pats on the back, you know, supportive words of encouragement, maybe an extra 15 or two to clear their head. Uh, but, you know, if the company doesn't value the team member as much as the manager does, and they care more about what the numbers say regarding store earnings, sales, and profit, can we really expect the process to be any better? I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here. Another thing to consider when dealing with retail is that they're just like you and me when it comes to external pressures. Um, they could be dealing with anything. You know, school assignments that are due in the near future, stresses from a second job affecting the first job, you know, rocky relationships to keep afloat, uh, friction with a parent or a boss, you know, personal turmoil, body image issues, societal pressures, lack of sleep, poor nutrition, I mean, they might have just missed breakfast like you did that day and all they had was an insurer uh, or a nutriment, you know, maybe a death in the family, uh, children of their own or younger siblings to worry about, uh, spouses. Uh, maybe they just haven't had their coffee for the day. You know, you know, how people are about their caffeine. Uh, maybe that family coming in out from out of town. Uh, that nosy aunt uh, June is on the way. You know, literally anything could be weighing on their minds. Uh, I'm not saying you have to analyze every employee like an FBI profiler would, you know, watching and documenting their every move with a voice recorder. Uh, you know, no one's asking you to be Shamar Moore on Criminal Minds here. I'm um, just saying that sometimes that pent up negative energy and preconceived notions you bring with you to your personal interactions in these stores uh, could potentially lead you on a path to conflict. And you want to avoid that, you know, just uh, just do what you can to put your personal issues to the side when making requests of those that are there to help you. If your day has been particularly stressful leading up to a shopping excursion, uh, take a beat, take a breath. Uh, just don't go with the serenity now option. Serenity now! Serenity now! Uh, because based on the Costanzas, we already know that just doesn't work. I asked two questions in the beginning of this episode. Uh, the first one was, is the customer always right? I know the suspense is killing you, so here goes the answer. You guys help me out with the harmonies? Sure. Hell no. Hell no. No. Negative. Niet. Nine. No. No way, Jose. Nah. The opposite of affirmative. Hell no, goddammit. 
Human beings make mistakes behind the register often enough, so there's always a chance the worker could be wrong. But customers are always trying to pull fast ones. Duplicitous scammers, schemers, and con artists looking to pull the wool over the eyes of anyone at a moment's notice. They will do anything to get over. Absolutely anything. So, hopefully that answers that question for you clearly. The second question I asked, are retail workers valuable resources or just cogs in the machine? I say it depends on the person. Everyone who applies for a retail job does so as a means to acquire money, but they're sold on an idea of sacrificing for the success of the store. If you want to work a double, cover multiple shifts, or do overtime during holiday seasons, by all means. But there are those who can see the road ahead and realize that this really doesn't provide a path for a career. There's no real exit for them. There are lateral moves, like transferring to other stores in the area, where you get a, maybe a bump in pay or a bit more responsibility, but that's about as far as it goes. Middle management and retail, no way. That's a dead zone. Those that see that outcome simply have zero time for it, zero interest in taking on that responsibility, that level of stress, and choose to take their talents elsewhere that offer better opportunities for upward mobility or something more rewarding on a personal level. Um, I think the biggest tweak the retail industry needs is to find a way that the people on the ground and the people in the offices understand each other's plight in real time so nothing gets lost in the wash, nothing slips through the cracks. If the opportunity costs aren't high enough for the workers to raise their singular voices collectively in displeasure, the status quo will continue as regularly scheduled, eight hours at a time, with 30-minute lunches and two fifteens, five days a week, and more, probably during holidays. In closing, if you choose to be a cog in the machine, the machine will continue to use you as such. If you choose to not be a cog in the machine, the machine will find another cog to take your place. Here's hoping that future cogs see for themselves that machines cannot run without them. And if they want to make changes happen, they might have to break a few machines to get their point across. And that has been the episode. Uh, shout out to my audience in three continents six countries and 17 states um, I'm humbled and honored that you gave episode zero a chance and you've continued to give my podcast your time and attention um, were there some bribes sent out to get episode zero the response it got I mean it's quite possible but uh, I'm not going to substantiate those rumors with any type of response here and uh, were there attempts at exposing personal secrets of some of my listeners to get this podcast to that broad an audience? Uh, these are falsifications of the truth, and uh, these attacks against my character will not stand. I'm not saying anything until I talk to my attorney. Um, I feel we're off to a good start here, and I'm going to do my best to provide content going forward. The plan is to lock down a few more states get a foothold in South America, one country at a time, and make inroads into that untapped gold mine that is Canada. The ultimate goal here is to be heard in 
the 193 countries that make up the United Nations. The potential for dialogue on that broader scale would be amazing. Here's hoping word of mouth is kind to your boy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and I look forward to answering any comments or questions you might have. Uh, the easiest way is to you can reach me. Uh, you can leave a comment on the podcast, um, wherever you may listen. You can hit me up via email at uh, from where I sit pod at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at from where I sit underscore PC. Let's shoot for the stars. Thank you.